everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen, powered by ELEC 825. We are thrilled to join you on WWDB 860 AM and the 97.5 Network, ready to help you move into the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. I've got a happy co-host, Jeff. We had baseball back yesterday. You have a a cappy co-host? All right. Is that how we're going to start off this show? I see that the we'll pre- start off the show, the prelim, apparently the pre the pregame show. <laughs> so for our listeners, we've been told that we are more entertaining on our live stream that we do before the show. Uh, so you can watch, which is setting the bar really low. Yeah, we're good at setting yeah. the bar low. That's the story of my life. And you can always exceed expectations. <laughs> Jeff, baseball came back yesterday. We had fans in the stands. How excited are you this week? It, you know, like, you know how important opening day is, is to, to making me smile. And just the thought of it is always so great. And having fans back in there, even, oh, <laughs> even though they decided that booing was more important than cheering, it was great to see people back in the stands. And you could see how much it influenced the players. I'm not telling you they got a hit because of it. I'm just telling you that you could tell that they were excited to be there. Look, there was much more drama in terms of starting that 10th inning with a runner on second base, because there were fans there who got silent and treated it like it was the last out of a world series that it would have been if there were no fans in the stands. Correct, Jeff? Yes. But you want to complain now? No, no. We're going to complain later. Oh, okay. The Phillies are undefeated and in first place. Stop the count. Done. Season over. Wait, what was, well, what was my text to you as soon as the game ended? Uh, That they're undefeated. Undefeated. Yeah. Yeah, so we, that's right. This is the first time it's look. We glance, we glance over it, but <laughs> this is the first time they took the field in front of fans since September of 2019. That's 18 months ago since there were fans in that stadium. This is the fourth opening day that in a row that Aaron Nola started. He was on the mound. What were your thoughts watching it? Uh, obviously, we'll talk about how the game went. A little bit about the season, but. Give me baseball, Jeff. Aaron Nola's on the mound. Fans in the stands. Well, yeah. well first, of, first of all, Aaron Nola pitched great. I mean, for the first start of the season, he was clearly on. It was great to see him. Um, the defense was what impressed me the most. I mean, the Phillies decided not to go out and get a bunch of defenders. And, and the guys that they have that we were worried about, especially somebody like Alec Bohm, Alec Bohm was great at third base. And, and in fact, he needed all of that 6-5 frame to basically save the game. I mean, there, there was a line drive shot to him that only he gets because of how tall he is. And I thought that he was really good at third base. So it was great to see him. D.D. Gregorius, that play that he made was just incredible. And then Roman Quinn. I mean, the, the game was more about defense, which maybe some people don't get as excited about as, as I might, but I just thought it was incredible how well they played as a team to begin the season. The sliding catch by DD was spectacular over the shoulder sliding in that wind. Roman Quinn's only in the game because Adam Hazley tweaks a hamstring. Otherwise he's not out there to, to throw that. And look, he doesn't always have the strongest arm. It was a great strike, great block of the plate. No, it was perfect. I mean, literally, he threw the ball where Real Muto needed to tag it. Real Muto just sat there and waited for the ball to come to that spot. There was no swiping of the tag. 
and Realmuto let the ball come into the line of play so that he could block the plate. Otherwise, he would have been called for blocking the plate. Right. So it, it was a great play all around. Then you get to the bottom of the 10th. Well, no, no. There was one bad play, which was, I don't know what he was thinking at first base, but Hoskins had this ground ball hit to him, and he, he kind of fumbled it where it should have been a double play. And instead, he decided like flip it behind him to Nola, to nobody, basically. And he got no outs. And I was like, oh boy, here goes the game. This is what I'm afraid of. And then all I'm thinking, tell me you're not thinking this. The whole entire time Nola's pitching, you go, boy, he's really pitching well. Is the bullpen going to blow it? Well, yeah. I mean, look, that's what the season was last year. I mean, they had that last year. The bullpen had an ERA of 7.06. They were last in the in the league. It was the worst in single major league season since the 1930 season. You know, opposing lineups hit 315 against them last year. Yesterday, that's pretty, pretty bad. It is a small sample size, but you had three and a half scoreless innings. Archie Bradley gave you one out. Jose Jose Alvarado gave everybody a heart attack, but got the uh, hundred yeah. mile sinker getting the bases loaded out there. Hector Neris comes in, does his job, and then Connor Brogdon comes in and gets three outs, starting the inning with the runner on second. Puts away Freddie Freeman and Marcelo Zuna along the way. I hate it. I hate it. I okay. cannot take this guy on second base thing. And and all I kept thinking is, could you have a worse situation for the Phillies than a guy starting on second base and Freddie Freeman being at the plate? It was not ideal. <laughs> no. But it, it it's just such a look. I understand you want to save the pitcher's arms. You want to get the game over quicker so that it doesn't go a long time. But it's it's ridiculous to me that this is the way that you're going to resolve the game is to put a guy on second base. And it really does change it because it's the last guy that made an out the inning before. And and so it, it's it just doesn't make any sense. Why not? Why not make it? Because um, I don't think it's strategic. I think make it if you want to make it that it's going to end earlier, make it strategic. Let you pick somebody who is not in the game, including guys that have left the game. Do you think and it, each team should be able to pick who their runner is going to be if they're going to do this and start them at first base, not second base? I'll play devil's advocate for a second. You know, I'm really not a fan of it. Uh, it just uh, it, anxiety to start the inning is, is not a good thing for anybody. Uh, do you think people like it more after yesterday because the Phillies won? <laughs> Like I'm hearing people go, oh, it was fun and it created excitement and this and that and and everything around that. And it's like, if the Phillies would have lost yesterday, y'all would have hated it. Like, why are they starting on second base? What are they doing? This rule. Who are you talking to? I'm just you actually saying. had people that were saying that this made the game more exciting. If you look on social media, if you listen to other shows, if you see people there, there are people that say that this makes the game more exciting. Then oh. there are also people that say it makes the game faster because baseball goes on too long. All right. It's been a long time since since we said this phrase, but I guess it's time to get off my lawn because uh, there, there is absolutely no way that you are ever going to. In fact, as the Phillies were about to score, I texted you. I will not change my opinion of this just because they win this game. Apparently the most entertaining things about our show are the pre-show stream and the text message chains that we have in between <laughs> when we actually talk on the air. Yes. Luckily, I, nobody has that. Grandpa Jeff <laughs> has made his return to the show. Grandpa, you. Just, wait, wait, wait. Just, just old, <laughs> old pa would be okay. Old Grandpa, no. 
old pa. Okay. No, I've been trying to convince people that I'm younger, and now you're calling me grandpa. That's how we're gonna out for you. Is there is there something like have you been talking to my kid? Is there something I need to know? I just asked how it's working out with you. If you've got a guilty conscience, I'm not sure what to tell you there. So let's talk a little bit about the patience at the plate that we saw yesterday. Six combined at bats from Bryce Harper, Reese Hoskins, Alec Boom. Again, small sample size. They saw 33 pitches from Max Fried, who threw 64 pitches through three innings. That's compared to last year when during the 60-game season, they were towards the bottom of the league and seeing just 3.92 pitches per plate appearance. Again, they didn't make major changes to these teams. They, they tweaked the bullpen to try and bring in additional arms, but they didn't get huge names. They didn't change a ton in the lineup. They have pretty much the same thing going on, but if they can take more pitches, if they can blow fewer games, they're going to have a better record. I don't know what that eventually translates into, but they're definitely going to be better. Were you encouraged by what you saw at the plate yesterday? I was, I mean, look, I, it's it's always hard to tell from the first game of the season. I always think that the pitchers have a great advantage over the hitters at the beginning of the season, and especially when it's cold out. I mean, to be honest, we would have lost that. The Phillies would have lost that game if, if that was a warm weather game because there were a couple balls that should have gone out and didn't go out because it was it was either blown in or it was just too cold and the ball wasn't rising. But I don't take anything from it. But the good as far as the how hard they hit it. But your point is well taken that they were more disciplined at the plate. And that is something that we've started to see even when Girardi first got here, as opposed to what they what Kapler did and the mess that he created when he was here. Adam Hazley started in center, left in the seventh with a hamstring injury. Does that mean that we're going to see Odubel Herrera back here? I don't know. I don't know if they were just being cautious because because it's cold outside and you don't want to play games on a cold field, just like you don't want to play games on a wet field if somebody has a hamstring issue. So, I mean, I think it'll be day to day. I was kind of surprised that Hazley started against a left-hander. Um, so uh, it's, it's okay with me. It worked out in the end. I just don't want to have a situation where I have to go and watch Odubel Herrera play. I just don't. It's my personal thing. Everybody's entitled to a second chance. I'm just going to tell you, I don't want to root for him. You actually may see that if, if Hazley goes on something, depending on what they do on Saturday, you're going to the game, correct, Jeff? I am going to the game tomorrow. And uh, I, I, I can't wait. The fact that I haven't seen baseball in a year and a half, sat on, you know, and just smelled everything and heard the sounds and watched the game. I can't wait to go. So it's really funny you say that because, you know, Brandon is four now, my son. And last year, we obviously didn't have anything to go to. The year before, you know, two, he was way too young to even take him out to the ballpark, even though we were going to those minor league games, couldn't still for, sit still for anything. I can't <laughs> wait to take him to the ballpark so he sees how big and green that field is in person because we watch it on tv and he's kind of into it a little bit it's not quite like pj mask or some of his other shows that he finds fun but he definitely is a little bit interested in it now when i'm watching it just tell him it's like the backyard and backyard again then he'll do <laughs> oh you know what we should do we should when reading when reading starts to have people back we should take him to reading and we should put him to work with dirt Oh, on the field with the dog. and Yes. And by the way, when I mentioned Dirt, for those that don't know, Dirt is actually a person. He's the guy who runs the grounds crew and he's great. And, and, and he has a dog named Penny, which I'm sure your dog, will, your kid will love. Yeah, he's been there forever. I did want to talk about the minors a little bit. Scott Kingery sent a AAA to try and figure things out. 
Looks like Jason Ochart is going there yeah. to work with him directly. Did the Phillies screw up Scott Kingery by not just leaving him as a second baseman where he was doing well? No, that's not to me. That's not where they screwed him up. They screwed him up by trying to mess with his strength and swing. And what you saw out of the prior group of people that was here was all athletics. It was messing with everybody so that everybody had this cookie cutter swing that was maximized for with certain analytics by having people like Ochart, but also having a manager that's more practical and more based in what's good for the player in Girardi. What you're seeing now is people more comfortable at the plate. If you remember, Bryce Harper did not buy into any of this analytics stuff and just said, I'm not going to listen to this anymore. Look what they did to Reese Hoskins. Okay, Now, it's on the player too, but look what they did to Reese Hoskins, and I'll tell you, they did this similar thing to Scott Kingery. And now the question is, can they get this to a point where he can get back to the kind of swing and the kind of game he played. Scott Kingery was a gap hitter with a lot of speed. And they tried to make him into a power hitter who clubbed home runs, which I right. don't understand because he doesn't have the body type for that to begin with. And it, it's not, you didn't need that from your shortstop. You're trying mm-hmm. to move him to center and get him to be more productive from a power position as opposed to playing to his strengths. Here's my comparison what the Phillies and a lot of teams are trying to do with the analytics is similar to what they did in the NBA. So the idea in the NBA now is to shoot more three pointers, even though it's a lower percentage, because somehow they think that what happens if, if you make more three pointers, even if at a lower percentage, you're better off. And so now baseball went that direction and said, well, if you can have more people hit home runs, even though they're going to strike out more, even though they're going to make more outs, that somehow it's going to lend itself to more scoring. Instead of having guys that are hitting in the gaps and you're playing base to base, we all know what Scott Kingery's uh, Twitter handle is. It's Scotty Jetpacks. The guy is fast as lightning. He, you just don't see a lot of managers these days that are playing base stealing. And I'm hoping that with Joe Girardi here, you're going to see more and more in that. You saw yesterday, Gene Sakura stole a base. He only stole two bases last year. So he's halfway there. Roman Quinn, again, if he stays healthy, is a game changer when he gets on the bases. Uh, he, he is a, with him. And we look, we like him. We've talked to him a bunch when he was in AAA. Right. But he, he's a game changer. You have some guys, Harper steals bases. He's not the fastest guy. In there. Well, he's not slow. Real Muto steals. You have a catcher that steals bases at to- from time to time. So you have guys, Hazley's fast too. You have guys that can steal bases. And, and I think that getting back to a little bit of old school while also bringing in analytics is going to bode well for the Phillies. The only question now is, do they have the back-end pitching? And is this bullpen for real? Because I will tell you, watching what is his name i can't even remember who alvarado yes um i gotta tell you i i really don't think i can handle a whole season that. <laughs> yeah I, I get that he throws right, 100 miles an hour i cannot what watching him was just a stress ball to, yeah. to sit there it, it was ball 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 walk and then all of a sudden he figures it out and then it's walk 
it, it, it is a mess. If, if you have to go through that in the eighth and ninth inning of a tie game, there's going to be a lot of cardiac issues in the city. All right. Vinny Velasquez or Jose Alvarado? <laughs> Who do oh, you want? Velasquez in heartbeat. Because he doesn't give you a heart attack. Speaking of the bullpen, how surprised were you? Not that Jojo Romero is a difference maker in the pen on, on his own, but the fact that they only have one lefty in the bullpen to start the season. Again, this is a, this is a, a, a general manager issue, I think. This is one of those situations where they think that he's got more options, so they're going to send him down. It seemed to me that Jojo Romero had a good enough spring that he should have been the sec- second lefty out of the bullpen. I don't think you can go through the season with just one. Now, what Girardi said before or after the game, I forget which one, um, was that Jojo had a couple things that they wanted him to work on. I'm going to choose to believe him, and I'm going to hope that JoJo works on him. Because, look, we've interviewed JoJo a bunch of times. He's an incredibly talented guy. He's got way too many pitches. He's, he's but, really smart, too. Like, he's going yeah. to try and figure out whatever they want him to. He's a cerebral guy. Yeah, and and he's he's a good long reliever, too. JoJo was a starter in the minors. So he's got the ability to go a few innings if they want to. Now, in today's baseball, there is no such thing as a long reliever anymore. But if, if you're going to have a guy a like that. It's called a starter, Jeff. Well, unless it's Velasquez, and, and then he's not even a long reliever or a starter most of the time. <laughs> but, but you do have some guys in the bullpen that can go for a couple innings if you need to go. Velasquez is another one that can go a few innings. Can I ask, in your no. mind, is this a playoff team? I mean, they're, they play in a very tough division well that's it they're, they're a potential playoff team if the pitching gets sorted out i mean you have to see whether chase anderson and matt moore can hold up in the back of the, the the rotation if they can hold up in the back of the rotation you're good the problem is if one or both of those guys don't pan out or don't make it very far and because if that happens like- i don't know who the backups that they're going to be able to pull out are it doesn't sound like listening to Girardi that Spencer Howard is going to be a starting option. It sounds like they're going to limit his innings and they're going to have him out of the bullpen. Some, I'm not sure how that's going to work out, but I think they're concerned about his health challenges. Okay. So let me ask you, is he somebody that you would want to see as your closer? Oh, you'd know if he's healthy, you'd know better whether He's got the makeup for that than me. You've talked to him more. You know his pitches more. I always looked at him as like a third starter. Well, he he was the sports psychologist guy. He was the guy that was doing all sorts of stuff, even when he was in college. And and he's a guy that, to me, has the quiet mental makeup to do it if they put him there, if they think that's best for his arm. Again, if he's going to be a guy that has arm problems, yeah, you got to move him to the bullpen. But he was a guy I was excited to see pitch starting i don't i don't want to see him out of the bullpen right now hector naris is the official closer for i'm you. good with that so we'll I'm see good with it for now how that goes with the season jeff you'll be down there tomorrow i want to report next week from you on what it's like with fans at that stadium because you're going to do the back-to-back we'll get to basketball in a few minutes but you're going to go to the sixers game with your son in the evening after going to the Phillies game with him in the afternoon, correct? Yeah, but before we get before we leave baseball, there's a couple developments today that we have got to talk about. Yeah, I didn't want to I didn't want to jump off of it, but you're doing the back to back. So I kind of wanted to mention we will transition to basketball. Tell me what's going on with COVID, Jeff. 
Well, first of all, it appears the Nationals aren't going to play all weekend now. So they have a positive case with one of the ball players. It looks like they have a bunch of, of contact tracing issues because uh, they all took the plane back together. Um, and so the Mets paid $340 million to Lindor and didn't get to show him off this weekend. <laughs> Could have negotiated more. Their season didn't start yet. Uh, the yeah. Mets will actually start their season now on Monday against the Phillies, against Anderson and Moore most likely with their frontline starters. So not the ideal matchups getting the back end of the Mets bullpen, but uh, I major league baseball can't be happy that the first weekend they, they lose a series already. What is, what is Jacob DeGrom going to look like when he actually has offense on his team? It is slightly. How, how scary is that? It, it is slightly concerning to I me. I mean, this is a guy who wins Cy Young's with like a 500 record because the Mets just were putrid on offense. Now he's got an offense and he's got Lindor on defense behind him too. He gets better. And, you know, I, I actually heard something about him yesterday that I was fascinated by. His, his average velocity has gone up each of the last four years. He was throwing over 102 miles an hour this spring. And they said the reason is, is because he wasn't a pitcher when he was younger. He was a shortstop. So his arm's fresh. Yeah, he doesn't have the mileage on him, which, but it, for anybody who is, who has a kid who plays baseball, okay, so this goes back to my coaching days. Um, don't put your kid in to pitch all the time when they're 11 years old, because it doesn't matter. Can I ask you a question that I didn't? Yeah tell you I would ask you off the air but you're somebody who's put your kids through it and, and I'm starting to have these conversations with my wife what age do you put your kids into organized sports I mean I drive around and I see signs that say put your two-year-old into soccer and it's like um no but what age well, you, do you know what two years you know what two or three-year-old or four-year-old soccer looks like entertainment for parents well no it's no it's not and there's nothing entertaining about it if, if you think you're going to be entertained i'm about to burst that bubble it is not entertaining because what happens is there's one kid on every team who can dribble a soccer ball when they're not young and the rest of the kids just run behind him like the tail of a comet as he's dribbling the soccer ball up there's nothing entertaining about it after three seconds so there don't look forward to that at all if you can avoid going fine but <laughs> organized sports is it's it's difficult it's not to me it's not what age you put them in it's how serious you make it so for us it was our own experience was he wanted to do it we didn't want to do it but he was four and a half he was as you know obsessed with baseball since he was like two and a half and we didn't want to break his little heart and so we asked if we, he could play and he was taller for a kid you know because we're tall yeah, my, um, my kid won't have that advantage. Yeah, your kid might have to wait a couple of years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not his fault, but Remember. it'll be something that he can complain about in therapy someday. <laughs> Remember, he thinks that whether or not you're able to go on rides is how old you are, not how tall you are. Oh, so, is that because you convinced him of that? Well, no. So what happened was he thought that because he turned four, he was able to go to the amusement park by the house, not because mm. he got taller. So then when I turned 42 a few weeks ago, he yeah. turned to me and said, Daddy, you're definitely old enough to ride on the rides now. Oh, no. Are you? But are you tall enough to ride on the rides? That's always the question. It's still <laughs> questionable and debatable. But back to the, the, the baseball thing or sports thing, just make sure they're having fun. Don't get them into it to, to make a travel team right away, to do all of that stuff. 
just just let them sample all these different sports and figure out which ones they like to play. Because at the end of this, how many of these kids are getting a scholarship? By the way, I don't think there'll be scholarships for any sports by the time your kid goes to college. And second of all, major leagues or professional sports is such a long shot. Just let them enjoy it as okay. long as they possibly can. I'll come to, that, to me, that's what sports is. And it's also, and the other thing is, make sure that he plays sports that aren't organized. And what I mean by that is we were lucky enough to live in a development. You live in the same, same development we used to live in. And I'm telling you the fact that there were a bunch of kids that could go out and play wiffle ball and work things. It's how they work out problem solving. It's how they learn to, to get along with each other. When you're in organized sports all the time, all it is is some adult telling them what to do and solving every problem for them. I wish that could happen now in life. <laughs> Let's, uh, I, I was surprised by the news that broke before the show, before we get off baseball. Major All-Star League game? Is moving the All-Star game out of Atlanta after Georgia passed their voting law. Commissioner Manford's quote, Major League Baseball fundamentally supports voting rights for all Americans and opposes restrictions at the ballot box. You surprised that they decided to make this move? I would have been surprised if they didn't make the move, considering that the NFL had done stuff in the past and the NBA had done stuff in the past. They couldn't afford not to make the move. Now, I think it's impressive that they're still going to try to support the small businesses that, that may be affected by not having the All-Star game there. But how, how could they leave the All-Star game um, if, the, if the Players Association was already raising the issue? How do you leave the all-star game in Atlanta considering what's going on down there? Well, it's a, I, I just, you know, a lot goes into the logistics of planning an event like that. And I'm just yeah, but so the one, I'm not going to say benefit of COVID, but one of the offshoots of COVID is that sports have learned that they need to be more flexible and now they're able to deal with this, um, to deal with these kinds of issues with a little more stealth. Well, they're um, not going to go to LA, which is where they're going to play in 22. It sounds like they're going to go someplace else. So Jeff, let's make the case for Philly. No, 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 no. So I'm going to, Mike, you need to turn off his mic if he's going to do that. Don't, <laughs> you, you want the all-star game here in 26, yeah. which I believe is the 250th anniversary. Yeah, we don't want country. Hear. Okay. And you don't want the half bleeped version of the all-star game and so it what you do is you risk if you get it you lose that one in 2026 if that's what happens so that's why i don't want it here okay you make a good case you've convinced me oh good job. any more baseball thoughts before we move on no i think that's enough baseball for today except for poor poor cody bellinger so i i don't know if you saw yesterday he hit a home run but it's not a home run. <laughs> but it's not a home run because one of his teammates thought it was caught and ran backwards and passed him in the wrong direction, which made it a single. I love baseball so, rules. Yes. Jeff, why don't we take a little early on the break? We'll come back. We'll talk basketball. We'll be joined by Buffalo offensive lineman Ryan Bates at 440. Lots to talk about. Stick with us. Operating engineers are the men and women that move mountains. And the Engineers Labor Employer Cooperative, ELEC, puts them to work. They create opportunities for the men, women, and union signatory contractors of Local 825, repaving our roads, keeping our homes bright and warm, and even building our favorite team stadium. 
We understand infrastructure. That's why ELEC and Local 825 are ready to get to work. Jeff, after the Phillies game tomorrow, you're going to head over and see the Sixers and the return of Joel Embiid. Tell me how excited you are. Oh, oh wait, before I do that, can I, can I just smile for a second? Since sure, we, but nobody else do that. that I radio. know. Yeah, whatever. Um, I just got an email. Yeah. The Blue Cause yeah. are starting to sell tickets, too. So shouldn't that make you happy, Dale? I mean, we've done this minor league show for years. Wouldn't it be great to just be able to go back to these minor league parks? It would be, though. I don't think they're going to let us talk to the players. We'll probably get like Zoom or something like that. Now, now who's Mr. Get Off My Lawn? Well, you know, reality sometimes that kind of I I tried to be the positive one and you just took it down. Let's just say that the dynamic for the show doesn't work if you're the positive one, okay? Nets are a half game up for first place on the Sixers. Sixers are at 33 and 15 on the season. Like I said, you're going to go down there tomorrow night. You are going to see the return of Joel Embiid. Look, the Sixers finish. If I would have told you before their six game road trip that they'd go four and two minus Embiid, that in their 12 games minus Embiid, a lot of times Simmons not really playing the best. They went nine and three. They're now 14 and 11 away from home this season. And wow, wait a minute. Wait a wait a way to um, play down the Ben Simmons didn't play his best. Oh, we're gonna get to that in a Ooh. second. I I don't understand how you have no points after the fourth first quarter in a game against Cleveland when Joel Embiid is not on the basketball court. I I, I just I truly cannot fathom how that well, happened. Well, let's let's start with the positive. The Sixers have played very well considering they do not have their MVP candidate center okay but Joel Embiid has become the the heart and soul of this team and without having him there and then being shorthanded because they got rid of two of their centers the only one that's left is the one that doesn't seem to think that it's important to stay on the court uh, because he's got to do dopey things like what he did the other day Um, yeah and when your own coach says that it's clownish it's not good um, but, but back to the positive, there have been a lot of players that have stepped up. Look at, look what Shank Milton did yesterday. I mean, he had every once in a while, it, the basket just gets huge for him. 27 points, five rebounds, four assists. He was five of seven from three. Do you know that the team is nine and one when he makes 50% of the threes he takes in a game? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but 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 he's look, he's a streaky shooter. I mean, he he goes through this period where all of a sudden it looks like he's shooting into the ocean and he can't miss. And then there are times where you're just going, Shake, what are you doing? Well, but, last night he took over. I yeah. mean, he was he was dominant in last night's game, and they needed it because Ben was nowhere to be found. It's, I, I don't understand how a star can disappear like that. And I'm the person who advocated not breaking it up to see what this team can do, but I'm underwhelmed when he gets the chance to be the lone superstar at the way that he plays it. Well, well. so the question, the question that you just called him the lone superstar, is he really a superstar based on the way he's playing, not based on his potential? Based on his contract, he is. is it, no, that's not. Okay. But based on what you t- take away his oh, contract, he, hold on, take away his contract, take around, take away what you know about him. If you just watched him play this season, would he even be an all-star? No, he wouldn't. I mean, look, his defense is better, and that's what everybody hangs their hat on. And, yes, he's been more aggressive at times. But a lot of times his aggressiveness is to drive into somebody and then kick it out to somebody and hope that they'll drain a shot and bail him out for driving into somebody. If he doesn't get called for the charge. 
though. Like I get that they're working on him and working on his game and everything. But if you're asking me, has he played like a superstar in these 12 games without Joel Embiid? The answer is no. Tobias Harris has played like a superstar. He's taken over on the team. Seth Curry has stepped up. Seth Curry put up 19 points last night. I talked about how they are with Shake Milton. They're 17 and 0 when Seth Seth Curry shoots 50% from three point range. And even Danny Green has stepped up since since he was not traded. <laughs> you think he just got really like angry? <laughs> was like I, I'm not. No, I'm not, I'm not going to take credit for for this theory, but it has been floated to me some uh, by somebody who knows the team well uh, that that Danny Green is a is a veteran player who's been in this situation before, and he's just saving his gas for the playoffs. And that you were, as you got closer to the end of the season, you were going to start seeing Danny Green of old. I was skeptical until I saw what he did in LA and what he's done since. Now let's see if he can keep it going, but he has clearly picked up his game on both sides of the floor since, since the, the trade that didn't happen. We glossed over Ben Simmons. I talked about him. What are you seeing? Like what, what's going on here? I see a guy that's just receding. I, I don't see a guy who's willing to, I mean, there are times in games where Ben can take over, where he gets super aggressive. And, but we, we're not seeing that Ben. You're getting a highlight from him once every couple of games where he dunks on someone. But I am not seeing the Ben Simmons taking over a game or even wanting to. And I know that we're, we're playing within a system now. But that system has to include a guy like Ben Simmons being able to, at times, just put the team on his back. And I haven't seen that all season. Yeah, I I don't really have any answers. And I try not to be too judgmental. But when you look and you see that the guy who's supposed to be one of your stars doesn't score after the first quarter against the Cleveland Cavaliers you ask yourself some questions like what is going on you know and and i keep hearing the response when when people are critical of of ben simmons play is well look how great his defense is and my response to you is going to be okay then what's the difference between him and matisse um look you're getting to that point matisse eyeball has blocked 35 jump shots on the season he is playing he can shoot the three down well he's streaky as well sometimes he can drill it and other times he just throws it up there <laughs> you know and one well one of the things i've noticed about matisse is he does take a long time to shoot his shot does not he doesn't have a quick trigger on his shots and so that may be one of the reasons that that he doesn't get the ball that often on in the flow of the offense what do you expect to see out of joel Embiid returning saturday night I mean, he was in great shape he was playing dominant basketball you concerned at all about what this layoff has done? No, I'm just concerned about whether he gets hurt again. I mean, we, we were, I, I was to the point where I was away from the idea of every single time he went down the court, is he going to get hurt? Is his back going to go? Is an ankle going to go? Is a knee going to go? I finally had gotten past that and here we go again. And the question is, is whether or not he, it's going to be able to hold up on him, whether he is actually okay. I'm assuming that based on the way that they were playing without him, that if there was any um, concern that they would hold him out longer, I don't think that it's a mistake. I mean, or, or, or a, a coincidence that he's starting his first game when they return home 
against Carl Anthony Towns. Now you think you think that's uh, something? Yes, that and watch. and I think with the fans, that's going to be an exciting game to watch because he is, I think, going to take over. I don't think you're going to see rust. Well, why don't we leave part of the basketball talk there? We've got somebody on the line who I read something that if he could play any other sport, it would be power forward for the Sixers, so he can jump in on our Sixers conversation. Offensive lineman for the Buffalo Bills, Ryan Bates, is joining us. How are you doing today, Ryan? Good. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for joining us. We were just having our Sixers talk. I hear that's what you wanted to be if you had your chance. You're a basketball player. Uh, if, if football never worked out, I'd be a basketball player without a doubt. You know, I'm missing – I would love three more inches, you know, to add that to the 6'5". I would love to be 6'8 if I was to play basketball. But, you know, if football never worked out, I would love to get a basketball shot. Of course. How I'd are you from – how, how are you from three-point range? I'm not too bad of a shot depending on the day. Um, you know, other people, you know, my buddies might – say otherwise but i like i have some confidence in my long range so well before we get to the football talk we wanted to ask you about something you came across three of the year, your years playing football which seems like an amazing uh, cause and effort you're involved with tell us a little bit about uplifting athletes and, and how you became a part of it and then we'll talk football afterwards of course yeah so uplifting athletes is an organization that's a it's an organization i got involved with in college my freshman year of college is my first time i I got to, you know, participate in the organization. So in college, we had this organ we had this uh, fundraiser called Lift for Life, and it's one of the many initiatives that Uplifting Athletes brings to the table to to raise money for for rare, for the rare disease community. And if, from my understanding, there's 23 colleges. So Penn, it actually started at Penn State from a guy named Scott Shirley. Um, if I got the story right, his dad passed away from a rare disease. Um, and he started, I think it was in 2003 and my senior year, I, I had the privilege to become the president of the, for that year of that organization for live for life for that year. And, you know, it's all about raising, it's all about using the power of sport to bring awareness to the rare disease community. Cause there are a lot of different diseases out there that people don't know about and don't have nearly the amount of funding that they should as, you know, other diseases might have, you know, different types of cancers and different types of disabilities that people might not be aware of. Um, so I got involved with that my freshman year. I became president my senior year back in 2018. Um, and ever since then, I kind of stuck with it. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy to be a part of the organization. You know, one of the things that you're doing with this is that there's actually a draft that relates to, to the, the scientists. Tell us a little bit yeah. about what it's like watching those guys go through getting drafted. Oh, it's awesome. So we they kind of took the idea from the the NFL draft where you have all these you have all these young young athletes who are you know amazing in their football abilities and they get drafted in the NFL draft and so we took they took that idea and kind of used it to put a spotlight on the the emerging uh, the emerging uh, promising young medical researchers in the rare disease you know whatever disease it might be there's a lot of young researchers that's what this the the young investigators draft we used that to bring awareness and i think it was they had a hundred and forty thousand dollars in grant funding and for each person for the seven rounds just like the nfl draft and each person who was drafted got twenty thousand twenty thousand dollars of grant funding unrestricted grant funding for their respected um field so 
that was exciting. I got to be a part of that. I got to call out uh, one of the draft picks. It was a good experience. How special is it to you personally? You know, we, we talk to athletes about the way they use their platform and the platform that they have. And here you are, you're somebody that's used this platform going back to your high school days, through your college days as a pro now. You're going to help be responsible for research that will do breakthroughs and save lives. What does it mean to you to know that you've been a part of, of that happening? That's exciting. You know, I'm, I'm happy to be a part of something bigger than myself and bigger than sports. Um, it's awesome that I get to use. I'm, I'm fortunate to be in the situation I am and the career that I am, I'm in. Um, I'm just happy to be here and help in any way I can. But at, at the end of the day, that's, you know, like I said, I can't, I can't appreciate of the opportunity that I've, I've been in, you know, through the power of sport and using my platform. That's the least I could do. You know, I, I just want to help people, people be happy. There's too much negativity in this world, especially in today's age. And I'm just trying to bring so, something positive forth. So one of the other the positive things was was football still made it through a season despite the pandemic, and you played for the Buffalo Bills and 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 got to see uh, probably sooner than a lot of teams fans come back in the Bills Mafia. What is it like to play on a team before that kind of crowd? Oh, it's awesome! You know, throughout the it's, it's unfortunate because this season I, we we got to have the the fans in the playoffs, but throughout the whole season our home games were were empty and it was kind of it was kind of weird you know not having the fans in the stands but the buffalo bills you know the community the fans the organization as a whole phenomenal i can't say enough and and of course i'm biased obviously being a buffalo bill but i've it's it's amazing the community you know that revolves around the football team up there is is awesome the fan base is awesome there's so many people up there that are passionate about the game of football and you know it's awesome and so the first playoff game versus the Colts was the was the was the first game we were allowed to have fans back in the stadium and it's crazy the difference it made you know they helped us out tremendously the fans helped us out tremendously with the noise affecting the other quarterback affecting the other offense and you know it, it's awesome being there to experience that you know, before you got to Buffalo, you're a local guy who played your college ball at Penn State, undrafted, but got to be with the Eagles and spend some time here. You got to work with and learn under guys like Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, Jason Peters. What was that experience like for you? It seems like you were kind of a sponge just soaking it all in. Oh, yeah, it was awesome. You know, I grew up in the Eagles, right? I grew up in, in Bucks County, in one of the surrounding suburbs of Philadelphia. And I grew up the Eagles fan my whole life. I grew up watching Jason Peters. I grew up watching Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey, all the names you just named. And it was an amazing experience to be able to not only learn from these individuals, but play with them. Like I got to be on the field with them. And it was, it was truly a dream come true. You know, the time I spent with the Eagles, uh, but you know, being traded to Buffalo was the best thing that could have happened to me. Well, it seemed like the best opportunity for you. And, and if you look at the way Buffalo does it, they pride themselves on versatility. And I found it interesting. You're the only offensive lineman who's listed as offensive lineman on the team's website. Everybody else has a position, but it seems like you're that versatile guy that can play everywhere. Uh, how did you become that in terms of your preparation and your ability to, to play in so many different positions? Um, the biggest part about that is, is you know, keeping your, keeping your head in the playbook. Um, I got the, you know, when I first got to Buffalo, they 
my first position in Buffalo was was tackle, but they they threw me in that center and they wanted me to learn how to snap and you know get comfortable playing center. And you know once you learn center, you, you learn every other position on the O line from guard to tackle because everything from the center on out. It's once you know the center, the center's job and the center's what they're supposed to do every play. It kind of, everything else kind of falls into place once you learn that. Um, and obviously, I played tackle in college, and I pride myself on having, you know, being athletic and being able to be out in space against these fast guys. You know, some of the, some of these guys are freaks. Six, they, they're six six, two hundred sixty pounds, one a four three. It's insane. Um, so, I pride myself in being being versatile. Um, you know, that's, that's how you stick around in this league. You know, you gotta play more than one spot, and eventually, you know, my goal is to be a starter. You know. Um, wherever it's at, tackle, guard, center. Um, but right now, like I, I, I'm fortunate enough to be versatile and be in the position I am in with the Bills. We talked about what it was like to get fans back in the stadium. Obviously, COVID changed everything. I hear you were living with your parents, working out in their garage. You got your Zoom meetings there, work out yeah. at the gym in the office. Tell us about that. Yeah, so in my garage, I'm, I'm back in my childhood home back in Bucks County. And um, you know, I got my little folding table in the garage. I, I got a bunch of brand new weight, weightlifting equipment. When, when COVID hit last year, I was actually trained in Jersey before COVID hit. And once uh, COVID hit, I was like, okay, I'm not going to another gym again. I'm with a, I got to work out here. And so I, I need some things to work out with. Um, and a lot of the things at first, I was doing a lot of body weight stuff and it was kind of, kind of in the butt just because, you know, I'm used to moving heavy weight in the weight room and, you go from that, you go from opposite ends of the spectrum in that sense. And I've invested in some weightlifting equipment uh, this past off season, and I got a whole new setup down there now. I'm all excited about it. Uh, I call it the dungeon. You know, it's, it's my, that's my, my, what's where I grind. Um, so I got my little folding tape, my little folding table for uh, Zoom meetings, and you know, it's a good setup I got down there. You had the opportunity to play for with a quarterback uh, that has gotten better and better each season. Uh, you made it to one game from the Super Bowl. What does the future look like for the Buffalo Bills, and how exciting for you is it? How exciting is it for you to get back to it? That's very exciting. Um, you know, truly, the sky is truly the limit in Buffalo. There's so much talent, and to be with that talent there's so many, so many good people up there. Not, like they might be good at football, but they're better people off the field. Um, and that's, that's the special thing about it. Uh, they really do treat you like a family up there. And, you know, like I said before, the sky's the limit with this organization. And I, I would love to stay in Buffalo for my whole career. I mean, I love it there. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, what happens this season and, you know, how, how good we do. When, when you get back on the field last year, they had an extra wild card game. Looks like this year, one game shorter in the preseason, but a 17th game. What's it going to be like to have an extra game in the season each year? Um, you know, it's, it's going to be longer, you know, uh, go from 16 to 17 games. Um, you know, it's, it's another, another opportunity to get better. You know, it's, that's, that's, the, that's the truth. Um, and that's another, it's another week to fight on, you know, that who knows that that 17th game might be uh, do or die for us. Like nobody ever knows. So uh, it's just another, another opportunity to to move on. 
So tell us where we, where people like us who are not athletes can help out with uplifting athletes and, 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 and helping with uh, inspiring these rare disease communities and getting more money to them. So if you go to the webpage, there should, you should go right to the webpage and there is a step-by-step process that could help you with donating on, like I said before, there, there's plenty of different initiatives that uplifting athletes has from the young investigator draft to live for life to reps for reps for rare disease. Uh, if you go to the homepage, I think it's just upliftingathletes.com. If, if I'm not mistaken, um, it should be the first thing that pops up and it should be a step-by-step process on the homepage. If you want to donate to, to whichever initiative you choose to take part in, uh, it, it's a pretty simple, pretty simple process. Uh, but every, every little bit counts. All right. So before we let you go, Ryan, we got to ask you a question. First of all, the Buffalo Bills have like the best press kit for each of their players. So we're hoping this information is right. You appear to be a big Step Brothers fan. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big Step Brothers fan. That was that's one of my favorite movies. All right. So th- then we're going to ask you one Step Brothers trivia question, and then we'll let you go. What is fancy sauce? Okay, lay it on me. What is fancy sauce? What is fancy sauce? Get you, Jeff. You're stumped. Look at that. Stumped him. It's the mixture uh, of ketchup and mayonnaise. I knew it involves ketchup. I couldn't. Christ. <laughs> He's going to be going yeah. back watching Step Brothers again. I, now. The other my, one. I knew it was ketchup. Uh, my my, my uh, guess is it's not nearly as good as, as the buffalo sauce that you're getting to eat while you're up in Buffalo. Oh, not nearly as good. Oh, my God. The Buffalo wings are insane in Buffalo. I, I can't get I can't get wings anywhere else because it just ruins it ruins the experience for me. Because the the Buffalo wings are just in Buffalo are amazing. Yeah, as a wing fan, you definitely ended up in the right place, Ryan. We thank you so much not only for what you're doing on the field, what you're doing off the field. It's great stuff. We appreciate the time and uh, hope to keep in touch with you as you go forward. Of course, I, I appreciate you guys having me on here. Thank you so much. You have a great day. You, you guys again. as well. These athletes, the way they use their platforms is, I mean, he's been doing this since high school. Yep. And, and it, 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 it's impressive to see, again, somebody that's doing this. And, and people don't understand. There are all the, you know, there are diseases that we all kind of know about because so many people get ill. But, but there are also these very, these very specific diseases that, that do not affect a lot of people, but still affect people. And it is so hard to get people, to get scientists to focus on these because they're not, they don't have the money to go ahead and do the investigation and do the research. And so to see somebody like Ryan focus on something like this and other athletes to focus on something like this just shows you how important it is that they use their platforms because otherwise nobody would know about it at all. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's impressive. It re- I mean, I, I tell you all the time, one of the best things I did in college was get involved supporting uh, ALS and doing work for that and learning about that and learning about Lou Gehrig and his impact. Uh, my hat's off to Ryan. We did ask him about adding week 17. Your yeah. thoughts on adding another week of football? Totally unnecessary. Are you going to treat it the way you do Thursday nights and just like... It's no. <laughs> well, so... It may be good for fans because most of them get to see good, another good game. It, it, could it have been any more appropriate that for the Eagles, they get the Jets for their 17th game? 
it, it just seemed like poetic justice that the Jets and the Eagles get each other next year as the end of their season when none of their starters will be playing because the game means nothing. All I can do is laugh about that. Uh, will you, uh, I, I know you'll have had your, your they'll all be wearing green. So you won't be able to tell who's who. Jeff, are you getting your tickets to London? Uh, it looks like the Eagles may potentially be one of the teams to play. The Falcons have a game in October in London. The Eagles are one of five possibilities to play. Look, I love going to London, but I'm not going to London to see the Eagles versus the Falcons. I mean, what are they thinking? We can't leave the country yet. Why in the world do they feel the need to go to a game that may not even have fans? So it's not going to draw more attention. It's not going to draw more eyes to Europe if they have a game in, in potentially an empty stadium in Europe. And then what are they going to do about these guys when they come back? Are they going to have to quarantine for a longer period of time? I mean, it just doesn't make sense, even though we're all starting to get back to some things that are closer to normal, to rush back to having international games when we're all not on the same playing field with regard to getting the vaccine or any, anything else. Well, we'll see as it goes forward. We've got about four minutes left. Do you want to talk the horror that is the Flyers, or do you want to talk the horror that is it really is. not making the Final Four? No, we are we are not going to discuss that. And thank you for not bringing it up to a Penn State grad. Um, <laughs> I didn't bring it up. Look, I felt it, bad it for was, you. It was bad enough that we got that I got it from a Pitt grad last week in Keith. I didn't need a Penn State guy saying anything to me. So let's just move right off of that and will let's. You, you know, watch the final we, four now, or will you not watch because they're? Oh out? yeah, I'll, I'll watch the final four. I was watching the women's too. I mean, the women's games were really exciting, although the Baylor coach is a little out there. So <laughs> let's talk about. The hold on, no, she seems to think that it is. It's a good idea not to test players once they make it to the final four. Yeah, I. Um... Ladies and gentlemen in our audience, sometimes <laughs> I just send Jeff a link and I wait for the response. That was one of them. I just dropped that in there and said, hey, got any thoughts? Jeff, tell <laughs> me what is going on with the Flyers. Uh, they've given up 42 goals in their last yep, night. Right off the NCA and instead decided to end the show on a, on a low note, huh? Because they're, what good do you want to come? What good comes out of this discussion about the Flyers? nothing unless you're like a rangers fan nothing. like seriously there is nothing that the flyers have done that you can look at over the last month that you sit there and say this is a hockey team that this is the same hockey team that we watched in the bubble last year what All happened right. to this team i don't know we'll leave it there we'll go back to the basketball <laughs> <laughs> i talked right out of that huh NCAA coaching moves. Roy Williams retires. Bill Self gets a lifetime contract. Chris Beard hired from Texas Tech to Texas Tech to Texas. Lots of coaches moving. Tell me your thoughts on the NCAA. Yeah, I have a question. Does Larry Brown, like, does he have, like, photos on Roy Williams? Like, why is he suggesting that Roy Williams get, the, that get to be the one who decides on the next coach? Because here's what Roy Williams said. He doesn't believe that he's the right person for this job anymore. So what makes you think he's the guy who should pick who is the right person for the job? Unless Larry Brown thinks it's him. 
<laughs> oh, is that what you think it is? You think Larry's angry? Yeah, oh, oh, come on. It's, La- it's Larry Brown. La- if Larry Brown's suggesting it, he obviously thinks he deserves another shot. <laughs> okay. All right. So in our final four, we've got Gonzaga and UCLA playing. And we'll have Baylor and Houston. What are your thoughts on the team that made it and the tournament that we've seen so far? This is the, the freight train is coming to an end. This is exactly where everybody thought it was going to be. There's no question in my mind that this is Gonzaga versus Baylor, and Gonzaga is unstoppable. Houston they, has they, momentum because they beat Rutgers, right? That's what happened. We launched them into playing well. Uh, you know, Mike, I don't know where you were with the dump button, but anytime Rutgers, Rutgers is now a bad word. If you're going to, if you're going to bring it up in the context of momentum, somehow coming from beating Rutgers, if that were the case, that would be the entire NCAA would have momentum. You obviously think, look, first of all, Mick Cronin, what he did with UCLA going from the first four to the final four, that's impressive. Uh, yeah. That is an impressive, and, and impressive job. It's impressive that he got a guy who scored 28 points in, in the, the Elite Eight game from Kentucky, and I guess Calipari might have wished that he had stayed. It wasn't quite impressive that uh, Michigan couldn't score in the last eight minutes. Separately, though, can <laughs> hey, can anybody take down Gonzaga, though? I mean, they're the first program <laughs> in human history to have five straight 30-win seasons. They're the sixth team to win each of its first four 20 games by 15-plus points. They play the 11th seed, and then they've got Baylor-Houston winner. Can one of those teams play with them? Baylor has a chance to play with them. There's nobody else in the NCAA this year that can. Gonzaga is is a scoring machine, and their defense is actually pretty good, considering how offensive-minded they are. Baylor might be able to keep up with them because before they went and they, they had their little COVID stop, um, they shot the lights out. They have some really good shooting guards, but UCLA has no chance against Gonzaga. Spoken like a guy who got beat by UCLA. Thanks so much. For Are the- you kidding me? <laughs> Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.